When the Bengals are good, the Reds are good. We explain why and do a little Seattle window shopping for impact trade targets all on today's episode. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms where you get your podcasts, uh, including YouTube. If you have not subscribed on YouTube, even if you're an audio only listener, head on over there right now. Click that subscribe button because there is going to be exclusive YouTube content right there that you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be available all season long once this lockout ends. So make sure you have clicked that subscribe button. I'm Stephen Offenbaker alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball and a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we've turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, I'm going to tell you why the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl means that the Cincinnati Reds are going to have a good year. Jeff and I are also going to dig into Ken Rosenthal's latest report about the ongoing CBA negotiations. And then finally, we're going to do a little window shopping over at the Seattle Mariners outlet store, where we're going to be looking for pieces that the Reds could acquire to make a postseason run of their own. So Jeff, would it surprise you to learn that because the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl, it means that the Cincinnati Reds are going to have a great season? So are the Cincinnati Reds going to the Super Bowl too? Well, actually, the Cincinnati Reds, some of them, are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you follow Jonathan India on social media, you know he is on his way to Los Angeles. But no. I did see that tweet. That's, that's crazy, though. But I, I like this thought process. Tell me more. Well, well, let me tell you. So in the history of this relationship between the Cincinnati Reds and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, every time that the Cincinnati Bengals have gone to the Super Bowl, the Reds have had a successful season. Uh, 1981, the Cincinnati Bengals made their first Super Bowl in uh, Detroit uh, with Ken Anderson playing quarterback for the Bengals. And uh, coming out of that Super Bowl in 1981, uh, the Cincinnati Reds had the best record in baseball. Now, uh, anybody that was around during that time also knows that Major League Baseball as is tradition, kind of screwed the Reds a little bit, and the Reds didn't actually make the postseason with the best record in baseball. However, they did have the best record in baseball. Then we fast forward to 1988, Boomer Esiason, Icky Woods, and the boys took the Bengals once again to the Super Bowl, this time in Miami, and the Reds that year put up 87 wins. So if you look at at 87 wins, I'll take 87 wins because that pretty much would mean that uh, the Reds would be in the postseason. So we'll take it. If only they had a wild card back then. If only they had a wild card back then is true. Uh, We'll jump a couple more years forward, 1990. The last time the Bengals had some postseason success, uh, something special happened with the Reds in 1990. What was it, Jeff? What happened in 1990? Hmm. Did they host the All-Star Game? (laughs) They did not. However, they did in 1988 when they had 87 wins. (laughs) But 1990, of course, is the wire-to-wire year. Uh, Cincinnati Reds open on the road in Houston and are in first place every single day. And they go on and sweep the Oakland A's in the World Series. For the last World Series championship that the Reds have won, uh, and the only one that they have won in my lifetime. Uh, and, and it's and, nice and, to... 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. No, it's it, it's nice to know this because we're looking at an offseason of gloom and doom. We're de- talking about trading away players, talking about getting rid of Luis Castillo, getting rid of Tyler Malley, getting rid of Sonny Gray. Here we are. Oh, we've already got the crystal ball. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. That's good to hear. Well, and I can go even just a little bit deeper for you, Jeff, because okay. uh, we can take like it a this. little bit like beyond... This. We can take it a little bit beyond the Bengals and look for other signs that the stars are aligning. Uh, as I mentioned, the best record in baseball in 1981 for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, that was coming off a of work stoppage, Jeff. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason that the Reds did not make the playoffs that year is because Major League Baseball uh, rolled out a split season format coming off of that, uh, that strike. And... The, just the way it worked out, uh, even though they had the best record, they did not get a postseason uh, berth. Uh, then we look at the last time that uh, the Reds won a postseason series, 1995. That's coming off the 1994 work stoppage. 1990, Reds win the World Series. Uh, that season opened on the road in Houston because they were coming off a work stoppage and the season started a little bit late. Fast forward to the year 2022. Baseball will be coming off of a work stoppage, and the Cincinnati Reds are clearly going to win the World Series. I I hate the idea that they're coming off a work stop. I mean, I, the lockout is current right now. I'm hearing lots of reports, and we're going to get into this here in a little bit, talking about, you know, things might get pushed back. You know, we might be talking about an opening day that gets pushed back. We might be talking about – somebody said the other day, May 1st. I'm like, whoa, whoa, let's not go that far. But I do like the omens. The omens are good. It'd be nice if it were the year of the red. It's actually the year of the tiger, so that makes sense that the Bengals are doing so well. But with that being said, I like all of this because we are talking about a team that has been building up to some sort of contention for years, and it just seems like they're willingly taking a step back. So to see the omens, to see the signs, if this, you know, back in history, you hear about different uh, omens kind of meaning certain things, I think this is our uh, good thing is coming to Great American Ballpark. I I think so, Jeff. And, you know, baseball lends itself to being superstitious, uh, depending on on what generation of a baseball fan you are. You know, this is when we talk about, you don't talk about the no-hitter. You don't, you don't do those kind of things. Uh, Your pitcher's throwing a no-no. You don't talk to him. You leave him by himself in the dugout. There's, there's, there's superstition all around baseball. And this can just be another one that uh, anytime the Cincinnati Bengals are successful, the Reds are going to win things because uh, that's just the way it works, Jeff. I don't know why it works, but that's how it works. And I think it's important to note, too. I mean, sure, yeah, we're talking about omens. This isn't necessarily the analytics that anybody was expecting uh, to hear when it comes to uh, why a team's going to be good. But the team has a good core. We've been talking about this a lot all offseason. Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, those guys are going to be the core of the lineup. You're talking about Tyler Malley. So, so long as he's not traded, Vladimir Gutierrez, Hunter Green, Nick Ladello, you've got your guys who are the core of this team on both the hitting and the pitching side of things. So even if you do trade away a Sonny Gray, I still see a team that probably wins 75, 78 wins, you know, something like that. They get 75, 78 wins during the season. So we're not talking about a team that is one or two trades away from being the Baltimore Orioles, but it's also a team that probably needs a little bit of help as is 
to be a playoff team, to make that next step that we all want them to make, which is something we're going to talk about here in a couple of moments whenever we look at some windows shopping up in Seattle. However, I, I, I love thinking of this in a positive light because that's all we've been all off season is not necessarily negative, but a little bit introspective, I guess maybe is the word thinking about this team just doesn't seem to want in in the front office, the plan from up top, obviously the players want to win, but the roster construction doesn't lend itself to that. This is good to hear. Well, and I've said it all along, Jeff, this team can compete and it can compete right now to win the national league central. Uh, It's a move or two away from doing that. Even and even as you say, even if it involves trading away, Sonny gray, as long as they don't botch that move and you know, let's face it, that, that could happen. But as long as, as long as they don't botch that move, uh, they could, they could win this division this year. It's, it's possible. It's not, it's not being overly optimistic. It's not, you know, I wish and dream it's, it's a true story that if done correctly, this team can compete and compete right now. I agree with you, Steven. I mean, I am the over-optimistic Reds fan, but I still agree with you. I, I don't think we are very far off and I think that there are some moves out there. We'll talk about what those are, kind of looking at Seattle here in a minute. We're also going to break down some thoughts. Ken Rosenthal had a piece in The Athletic talking about how far apart the players and the owners are. And me and Steve got a couple of thoughts about that. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the way that you can keep your New Year's resolution going. We are now into the second month of the year. Can you believe that, Steve? It's already February, and we're talking about keeping up with your resolutions. You want to stay healthy. You want to get fit. Built Bar can help you with that because you're probably right in the middle of that part of the diet where you're just like, screw it. I want some chocolate. Built Bar is made with 100% real chocolate, but it has the kind of statistics that make it the middle-of-the-order hitter that you never thought you could need, and you're absolutely going to love it. It's talking about 130 to 140 calories, up to 18 grams of protein in some of these bars with amazing flavors like Cherry Barcia, Coconut Brownie Chunk. You've got limited-time stuff always coming in and out. you got the Puffs. The puffs taste like three musketeers. They're absolutely amazing. You've got to check them out. Go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to save 15% off your next order. Built bar combines the flavor of a candy bar with the health statistics of those kind of protein bars that you just, you hate, but it's got amazing taste and amazing mouthfeel. You're not going to feel chalky, waxy. It's not going to be like cardboard in your mouth because it's a built bar. It's amazing. And you need to get one today. Go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 to save 15% off your next order. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about the Hall of Fame, the process to how players get elected into the Hall of Fame, and why it sucks. Also, why the CBA seems to be very negatively skewed in, in this whole lockout seems to be very negatively skewed. Not the CBA, but the lockout itself is negatively skewed very heavily against Cincinnati. But let's talk about that CBA for a minute, Steve, because Ken Rosenthal had this article in The Athletic talking about how far apart the players and the owners are. And and we just saw reports earlier today talking about there was another meeting that lasted about 90 minutes. It was heated. That was everybody's favorite word, talking about where the players and the owners are. I am 
I'm not tired of it. I'm, okay, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the lockout. I'm tired of the reporting. The reporting is necessary. I want to hear all of this stuff, and I need to know what's going on. But I'm tired of hearing how negative everything is because as of right now, you could tell me that opening day is going to be, I don't know, October 3rd. And I think I'd about believe you because it's just so negative everything we hear and we're talking about a sport that is firmly in third place in the in north america so far as the professional sports are concerned and it's absolutely getting dunked on in cincinnati by the bengals who are just amazing who day rule the afc i love that yeah rule the jungle there you go rule the afc they're getting owned by football and the reds are getting owned by the Bengals. hopefully this these positive omens we're just going to speak this into existence like every single day but uh, steve i'm just it's ooh, it's 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 eating me up inside well first off jeff you have to you have to remember a couple things uh the players are posturing they are they have to look like they're willing to just not make any money this year they have to look like they're willing to stick to their principles and sit back and and not play they have to look that way or else they have no place to negotiate from they have zero leverage uh the second piece of this when you talk about the reporting and you talk about the negativity you have to remember that sunshine and kittens does not sell newspapers and it does not get you clicks <laughs> no it doesn't no it, it doesn't. doesn't they have to they have to they have to sensationalize what is going on in order to make money in order to draw you in and get you to click on that article and to get you to pay attention so, you know, I have said all along that baseball is going to start on time with a short spring training, and we are still exactly on time for that. It, as we record this, Jeff, it's February 1st. Uh, mm -hmm. Pitchers and catchers will be reporting in about two weeks. If, if you watch the way this plays out, things are beginning to ramp up. They are meeting more often, and when they meet, they meet for longer than they did initially. That moves us towards when pitchers and catchers would be reporting. When we hit that date, two weeks from now, things will start happening in earnest. The negotiations will move forward. They will move forward quickly. Spring training will start on March 1st, and opening day will happen on time. I am speaking into existence. I am calling it right now. Baseball will not be delayed. There is too much money on the line for everybody involved. Too much. There's too much money on the line. There's too much of a reputation. We're talking about the – not the – complete discontent kind of almost a you know oh baseball that's cool it'll get us to it'll get us to training camp right it'll get everybody to the start of teams reporting for practicing for football that's really what we're looking at right now and if you're talking about a season that has to start late because of this factor not matching up with this factor and the owners getting mad about this and the players getting mad about this, the fans are the ones that lose the most. And in fact, that's another thing that kind of added on to the Ken Rosenthal piece was Marcus Stroman earlier today tweeted out, I feel really sorry for fans of the game of baseball. Really? Okay. That's like a doctor telling you, man, oh man, I just, uh, boy, you really should have, uh, stayed away from all of that sugar, shouldn't you? Or something like that. I don't know. Like it's, just, it, it just seems like bad omens where we talked about good omens in the first segment. This seems like bad omens to me. And I I'm ready. I'm ready to accept the idea that this is posturing. It just, it has me I don't know. I have opening day tickets. I'm going to opening day, and I want opening day to be March 31st. Well, you know, Jeff, uh, as you and I talked uh, off air, 
some of us have already booked our trips to Cincinnati for <laughs> opening day. So baseball needs to start on time. This is what I'm saying. Yes. But, you know, you have to look at some of the issues that are, are at play here and 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 factor them into what you're seeing from the players. The players don't want a seven or eight week spring training anymore. Part of what they want is for spring training to be permanently reduced to about a month. The 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 hitters don't even want it to be that long, but it has to be that long to get the pitchers ready. So uh, if if you look at this timeline, uh, it makes sense for the players to kind of drag this into you know you know, February 21st, February 25th before they reach a deal so that by the time everybody can pull their stuff together and report, it's March 1st and they get the spring training that they want. I don't think the doom and gloom is as real as it's being reported. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, could I be wrong? Sure, I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am. I really do believe we are still on track for an on-time start. I don't think you're wrong at all. I, I do agree that the more that you think about this, the more that you look at about this, this makes sense to be posturing because you don't have players getting up in front of people. You don't have Tony Clark getting up in front of people and reporters and, and, and in some kind of press conference setting and talking about how nasty the other side is and how bad their proposal is, <clears throat> like Rob Manfred's already done. Uh, Rob Manfred did that after the very first proposal. So... I get that. That makes sense that this is posturing. And to be honest with you, it makes a little bit of sense too that Ken Rosenthal would not necessarily be posturing specifically for the players, but at least be building up some sort of posturing stance that doesn't necessarily make it look like he's for the owners either. I mean, we're talking about a dude that got kicked out of uh, MLB Network by Rob Manfred because of, you know, well, he was objective about oh, Rob Manfred. Because he hurt he his feelings. He hurt Robbie's feelings. Exactly. Exactly. He didn't talk about how amazing he is and how he's God's gift to baseball, which by the way, he's like the exact opposite of that. Like, I don't know anybody that would argue with that. Rob Manfred is terrible for baseball. He makes us miss Bud Selig. So I think Oof. that when we look at this, yeah, posturing makes sense. I just, I, I'm a little bit concerned because they cannot like I understand that there are inequities between the players and the owners and for our part we usually agree with the players side of things we usually take that side to the chagrin of some but I also think that there's going to be a point where somebody's got to acquiesce and I feel like the owners are just doing everything they possibly can to be the Lex Luthor to be the kingpin to be the guy that's going to force the players into a situation they don't want to be in. Well, clearly the owners, uh, the owners operate from a standpoint of what can we do right now this second to make 50 cents more. I, I mean, that's just mm -hmm. how they operate and it's very short sighted, but they don't care. They're going to be dead. They don't, they don't care what happens to the sport <laughs> 20 years from now. They're not going to be around for it. So, you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things where hopefully the players can stick to their guns just enough, uh, to, improve their situation, get on a little bit better footing uh, while also uh, giving us baseball on time. But you know what, Jeff, this is, this is, this is depressing. Let's, uh, let's do something fun. <laughs> yes, uh, coming up in just a minute, let's do a little window shopping. 
maybe not necessarily the most realistic of deals, but deals that we think can make the Cincinnati Reds just a little bit better. We're going to do that. We're going to start up in Seattle. I just got back from there. Uh, I went and scouted it out for us, so we're going to talk about that. But before we talk about that, I do want to talk to you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net has you covered uh, for the remainder of this football season with some of the most outstanding prop bets. Uh, They give you all the odds. They show you what the lines are, and they get you prepared as football marches through these playoffs with the Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl, and they get you right to that big game in just a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. And it's not just football I'm talking about over at BetOnline.net. They have up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of the current games as they happen. So don't wait. Go over there right now to BetOnline.net and take advantage of all the amazing new offers available for you in the 2022 season and beyond. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen. Make sure you're following the podcast on all platforms. We're pretty much everywhere. Uh, You've got us on the audio feeds. Click subscribe there. Get us on the YouTube feed. Click subscribe there. There will be exclusive content on the YouTube feed that doesn't necessarily get pushed out on the audio. So click that subscribe button so you don't miss that stuff. Uh, You're definitely going to want to be around for that. We've got a lot of fun things planned uh, as the lockout ends and we move into the 2022 baseball season. Uh, Jeff, let's do some window shopping. Uh, Let's go buy some things, maybe, but let's at least talk about uh, what we want. Uh, The Seattle Mariners are in a very unique position out in the Pacific Northwest in that they can't quite decide if they're buyers or if they're sellers. They can't quite decide if it's win now or win later, but there is a tremendous amount of talent on that team and they are a move or two away from being a serious contender out in the Western division, I think. And when you take all that into account uh, and the Reds surplus of pitching, uh, they might actually be a pretty natural trade partner to do some things that benefit both clubs. They took 162 games to get eliminated from the playoffs, Steve. They were right there. And we're talking about the longest playoff drought in American professional sports. You and I were talking about this off air beforehand. We were looking at the fact that, you know, in 2001, they set the record for most wins in the in a regular season, and they haven't gone to the playoffs since then. It's, it's insane to think that. But they are right there. They are on the doorstep, and what they need is pitching. And what the Reds are talking about trading is pitching. That's why if you listen to Locked On Mariners, our friend Ty and Colby over there talking about the Mariners every single day, they do a thing on Friday called Fan Fiction Friday where they look at trades sent to them by fans, mock trades, and they kind of grade them on a scouting scale. And if you tune in on a Friday, you'll hear at least one trade from the Reds in a mock trade scenario. And most of them involve Sonny Gray. There's been lots of reports that the Reds and Mariners were kind of advancing in the stages of negotiation of trading Sonny Gray to the Mariners. There were a couple of names involved, a couple of young prospects involved in that. We'll talk about them in a minute. But kind of looking at what this team is. The Mariners, I believe, are a legit contender. And I would be surprised if they trade anybody who is young and on the major league roster. I kind of agree with that. So when I approached this, Jeff, when I looked at when I looked at their roster, um, and I and I started where you did, and it, it's Sonny Gray for me. Sonny Gray is mm-hmm. the 
I don't even know how to phrase this, Jeff, but Sunny Gray is probably the easiest one to let go of in that, you know. We don't want anybody to get traded, but if somebody has to. Yeah, Yeah, if if somebody's got to go from that rotation, then I would much prefer that it's Sunny Gray over Luis Castillo or Tyler Malley. So keeping that in mind, I'm operating still. You know, I said it in the last segment. I still believe that the Cincinnati Reds can compete for the National League Central in the 2022 baseball season. So looking at that, I basically approached it from a team need standpoint. And if we're shipping Sonny Gray off to the Pacific Northwest, you know, I'm looking to get Mitch Hanniger in return with his 39 home runs and 100 RBIs as a starting point. Now, I'm not proposing a one for one trade. I think it's going to we're going to need a little bit more if we're sending Sonny Gray out there. But, you know, the if you look at the Mariners rotation, uh, there's definitely a couple pieces that could use some exchanging. They've got guys in that rotation that have plus five ERAs. They have ERA pluses, you know, 25% below league average. So they definitely need to upgrade if they're serious about winning out there. So I start with Hanniger, plug him into right field for the Cincinnati Reds and let him just absolutely rake at Great American Ballpark. And then I kind of dig into the Mariners farm system and look for a piece or two to kind of round out that deal. And and it feels like a natural fit. Now, I know you've spent some time looking at that Mariners farm system, so I bet that you probably can think of a, a guy or two that would complete a deal for Sonny Gray where both teams come out a winner. I... Uh kind of looked at a couple of different guys. There's two people who were rumored to be in that advanced stages of negotiation. Uh, both of them are pitchers. One's a lefty, one's a righty. You had Brandon Williamson, who's a left-handed pitcher. He's ranked in the top 12. He is their 12th-ranked organizational player, uh, according to fan graphs. This is where I'm getting most of this information. But preseason last year, he was ranked pretty high with them. He has an above-average fastball and slider. He has a plus curveball, which that's kind of interesting to think of him in a deal for Sonny Gray, who that curveball and those slider, that slider is just phenomenal. And then he has an average changeup with below-average command. Because of that, he also doesn't have the best stamina. They haven't really seen, scouts haven't really seen starter stuff from him. They don't think that he can have that longevity, so he's probably projected more in the bullpen. Then there's Levi Stout. He's the righty. He's not as highly ranked. He was in the 20, he was ranked 23rd in the organization. Now, uh, based on how Lockdown Mariners has talked about him and based on some reports, he's probably moved up the food chain there on the Mariners farm system. Uh, both these guys are kind of slated to make their major league debuts 2023. So we're not really looking at guys that are uh, supposed to be coming up this year, but maybe a year away. He has a plus changeup. So when we're talking about plus, that's like on the scouting scale. You 50 is average, 55 is above average, 60 is plus. And then if you get up to 70, it's plus plus. And if you get up to 80, it's you know, God mode, whatever. I don't know. I, I don't, they don't have a word for that because there's not a ton of 80 grades out there. But yeah, plus change, average fastball, below average slider, but he doesn't have amazing command either. Probably another dude who uh, figures to be in the bullpen. He had Tommy John directly after being drafted, but he's completely healthy. That He was drafted in 2019, completely healthy and fine. And um, there's also another angle there, Steve. Uh, Levi Stout, a guy named Stout, 
coming to Cincinnati that has like a million craft breweries and you know, tell me there's like marketing genius in there. Oh, get now this you're man speaking a, my language. Yeah, get this man a craft beer deal. But <laughs> those are a couple of guys who could be added on. The one thing about Mitch Hanniger that I'll say, he's a one-year guy. He's on his final year of team control. He will be a free agent at the end of this season. And according to spot track is due to make about eight and a half million dollars. That's still less than what Sonny Gray's making. So the money would add up in, in the whole realigning payroll to our resources mantra. But that also means that that once again, puts the reds in a position where are you going to extend them? Or are you going to let him go? He is going to be like 31. So this would be a one year rental for Mitch Hanniger. And then the process, prospect that would be added on would be the guy that you really kind of hang your hat on in this deal. And that's really, I think the piece that makes it even plausible that the Reds could do something like that because they're not going to bring in a guy that has uh, that much money committed three or four years, but because yeah. he, because it's a one year deal, you know, I think maybe Castellini could be persuaded to take on that contract knowing that it's going to come right off the books. The, the, the key to that is you get somebody that helps you compete now, which will put fans in the stands, which will put more money in the bank. And then you also get that prospect piece back that helps the team long-term for this, this four-year window of opportunity that we're all seeing with this great young core. So I think it's a win-win for everybody involved uh, where the, the finances don't necessarily automatically make it a non-starter so you know I'm, I'm excited how those pieces line up like that and then you know Jeff I also looked at their roster from a standpoint of is there a guy that's probably not realistic but I would just love to bring over in a deal and that's Ty France for me if you look at what the numbers yeah. that he put up last year you know he played in 152 games OPS plus of 128 which means he was 28 percent above league average you know you look at his slash line of 291 368 and eight thirteen, he just he the guy can rake, and you put him in Great American Ballpark, stick him over there at first base, move Joey to the new Universal designated hitter, and we go. It, it just would be a lot of fun. It would be awesome to see Ty Fran. I had a fantasy baseball team that benefited from having him on the team uh, last year. There's a couple of prospects that I mean, everybody, pretty much anybody that knows anybody anything about prospects has heard the name Julio Rodriguez. That is an absolute, probably non-starter for the Mariners. Noel V. Marte, a very, very talented top 10 in the nation, like top 100 prospect, top 10 in the nation. Uh, Noel V. Marte, shortstop would be phenomenal, probably a non-starter. And then also George Kirby, a right-handed pitcher that figures to be the Mariners' ace in like five years. Another top 10 uh, prospect in the in the country or in the organization. Sorry top 20 in the country. Uh, those guys kind of figure to be the untouchables. There's one other guy kind of going back to the Mitch Hanniger proposal that you could add on that. I think I would like maybe a little bit more. I love the whole uh, craft beer angle with Levi stout, but this dude actually figures to be a rotation dude. Emerson Hancock. He's a top 10 organizational guy, top 40 overall in the country with an above average fastball plus slider and a plus changeup. And, um, he has, um, I'm sorry, I can't read my notes. That <laughs> above average command, um, it's chicken scratch sometimes, Steve, I, I tell you, but he's a, he's a guy that you could slot into the rotation in a year or two. And then you're talking about getting a rotation piece for a rotation piece. And he's much more, 
you know, controllable financially for a team that needs the tiny contracts as much. As we hate to say it. They need the tiny contracts. That's, that's what it is. So I, I would like to see, in fact, if Nick crawl were to pull off a deal of Sonny gray for Mitch Hanniger and Emerson Hancock, I'm in on that. That that would be a good deal for me. Yeah, I I, I mean, you know, it would hurt a little bit initially. It, yes, it wouldn't yes. it wouldn't be fun like a band aid coming off. But uh, long term, I think it helps the team. And if yeah. if if the Reds are truly going to embrace the idea of moving more towards the Tampa model of doing things, uh, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. The fan base in Cincinnati has to to stop getting so attached to everybody, uh, which we all tend to do, and and be so more. So is the owner. It, it's <laughs> and so does the owner. That is true. And you know, just be more willing to move guys, and and you know that could be that could be the the path to competitiveness. And if if it results in World Series championships, then I am all in on it. Because that's the name of the game, Steve. Compete, win. Take us to the championship. I tell you what, I think that's a good spot to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets as your boy Q and Lee Sterling have all the sports betting information that you need to make some cash at Bet Online. That's Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow we are talking about why the Hall of Fame is a bunch of stinky butts, and we're going to look at why the lockout very negatively affects the city of Cincinnati. That's on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast. We'll see you then. Hey, Steve, it might be the off season. We might be locked out. But what are we? We are Locked On Reds every single day. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.